You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. So glad to have you here. It's been fun. It's been a great, uh, it's been a great thing. What are we talking about? I don't know. Just waiting for the music to end so I can, um, you know change my settings new callers go first and we do have a new caller today if you'd like to participate you can call in 608-501-0718 leave a message we'll talk about it new caller what's on your mind hey ryan this is matt hey hey i just wanted to know as a kid what was your favorite christmas and just for example back in 1977 you know i was you know 10 years old or whatever i got a beanbag chair yeah 12-inch black-and-white TV and a sled. And I thought that was the best Christmas ever. And it obviously holds a place dear in my heart for that. Anyway, just wondering what, you know, that might be for you. Just uh, let us know if you want to respond. Thanks for everything. Keep it going. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Just thank you for the call, Matt. I appreciate that. Um, This is the second time I've referenced this. My wife asked me a similar question, and it just immediately makes me think of The Office when uh was it secretary day when michael scott takes out aaron and she's so weird and she says something to the effect of do you have like a a favorite uh, year or month he's a year or month she's like yeah like for me it was uh june when i was 13 or something like that (laughs) like what are you talking about um anyways completely random obviously this isn't the same thing but i'm just saying immediately where my mind went favorite Christmas. There's some good memories, man. Um, I've got some that stick out for sure. My parents, they didn't have, it was one of those upbringings where we didn't have a ton of money, but you never knew it. Like now that I'm older, I realize that when my dad was screaming and swearing at people and slamming the phone down on the receiver at home, it was, he was talking to bill collectors. When we had to rush to my dad's work to go pick up his paycheck, probably because we didn't have any money and there were bills due. Right. It just, but you don't think about that when you're a kid. And you certainly don't think about it when Christmas comes around and they break the bank for you. Whatever issues there were in my childhood, um, they went all out for Christmas. And it was, it was super cool. That's why I'm, I'm kind of a, my wife thinks I'm weird, but I'm, I'm a super stickler when it comes to Christmas. Like 
she was, I was just upstairs and she's like, your rules are killing me. I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, I, I have to wrap every single present into bits. She wants to throw like a bunch of toys into a box and wrap a bow on it and put everything in little, you know, the, the gift bags. I'm like, no, no. So that usually I'm the one that's like Christmas morning. I'm spending like four hours wrapping all the presents and, you know, I got the Christmas music on low. I've got Christmas candles lit. I got cookies going like it's, it's a whole thing. And that's because I had that when I was a kid. Not necessarily the the music and the... I mean, there was eventually, but... We had a real tree, which I've never bought in one as an adult, but all the all the uh, decorations and, you know, they had the ornaments that had, like, moving pieces and everything that were on there. Oh, it was such a, such a cool thing. But some of the memories that stick out, and I doubt these are my favorite Christmases, but some of the memories... One year, and this is when I was probably middle schoolish. I remember getting a Metallica CD. I think it was Ride the Lightning. And I, I'm telling you, if you could burn out a CD, I would have burned that thing straight through. I listened to Ride the Lightning so many times. But that was the year my brother got a fog machine. I got like these neon lights. Or no, I got a, uh, a black light, but it was like a, uh, a strobe light, black light. So you can set it and change it. So it was a black light. But then there was also these different things you can put up in your room, these neon lights or whatever I had. And so I would sit in my room and turn all the lights off, and turn on my black light and the the little neon light things, and listen to Ride the Lightning in my room, and eat Laffy Taffy's, because my uh, grandma got me a big old box of, or uh, not Laffy Taffy's, what were they? Airheads. Huge box of airheads. Um, I remember one Christmas going to, they had this buffet, and it was super fancy at a hotel, and it must have just been like a Christmas thing, but it was like borderline suit, and I know we got dressed up, it wasn't suit and tie, but we got super dressed up, very fancy. High quality. That was that was super awesome. Um, I also know that uh, we would have a ton of gifts, but there would also be like the big gift for all of us, and it was usually like a gaming system. So there'd be a Nintendo or a Sega or an Xbox or you know whatever PlayStation. But yeah, there were there were plenty of bad memories for Christmas, but a lot of good memories too. And it all started just bright and early in the morning, just going upstairs and seeing that big old pile up because you go to bed, there's nothing there. Then you wake up and it's just, the room is filled. Where did it come from? Santa! And then there's like the additional magic of like, dude, he was here. Like, I've heard the rumors and whatnot, but you explain this. Where did it come from? You know what I'm saying? I love Christmas, man. But I appreciate the call, Matt. I know it wasn't a super direct answer because I don't remember years and all that. And there were, there were other really cool things. But um, those are some of the ones that stick out. I remember that going to that fancy hotel or the buffet had like these glasses that were filled with just mousse. I didn't even know what mousse was, but it's like there's just a glass filled with like cream and you eat it. And I'm like, dude, what? Are you serious? I can just grab as many of these. I can, All right, I'm going to grab four of these fancy glasses filled with this creamy stuff. I'm going to just crush that. That and ride the... I, dude, I could, I'm, I'm not going to make it through without listening to Ride the Lightning now. And I haven't listened to it in a while. Because, I mean, if you listen to... And I don't really listen to Metallica because that was my thing back in the day. And now it's like, yeah, you know. But when I think, like, ah, it's kind of worn out, that's because I'm, like, worn out with all the songs that everybody listens to. Ride the Lightning, it's kind of... It's not the one... It's, it's certainly not the album that everybody hates. But it's not anybody's favorite either. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. But nobody ever plays the songs.
And the greatest thing about it, I didn't know. And it, usually when you get a new CD, it's like, all right, whatever. And you listen to it, it's like, it's not that good. And then eventually you kind of get used to it and it kind of grows on you. I played this and immediately it was like, wow. And not only that, one of the only albums or CDs that I ever owned where from cover to cover, I liked it. Like every, usually it's like the first two are good. And then after that, you don't even listen to the songs. Good stuff, man. You know what else that just dawned on me um, that I probably shouldn't admit? The other CD I got, it might have been a couple more than this, but the other CD I got that I just um, ripped through, because the only reason I remember is because I remember eating the airheads and listening to it, um, but it was garbage. I really liked it. Remember Garbage? Maybe not. The song is called Queer, for those that were wondering. But yeah, I, uh, I was digging it. And that came out in 1995, so it must have been uh, probably around that time. Because Garbage wasn't super popular. I don't even remember why I would have gotten a Garbage. It must have been like on a list I wanted, but they were, they were popular for a very brief stint. So it was probably around 1995 would have been one of the... And I would have been, what, younger than I thought? Eight or nine? Nine, I guess? I would have been nine. So there you go. thought I was older than that. Although it didn't have to be that year. It could have been a couple years later. But actually, uh, Stupid Girl and Only Happy When It Rains were on here. Those were actually very popular songs, so that's probably probably why. It's good stuff, though, man. I liked it. It's another one that's pretty good from end to end. I was just listening to the last song in here called Milk, and I know I like that one. But I know, like, um, Load and Reload for Metallica, I always defend them because I'm like, it's actually good, man. You guys are You guys are being a little harsh. I like them. But you asked me what the last couple songs on there, I couldn't tell you. I didn't listen to them. I listened to the first four or so like a hundred times, but after that, I couldn't tell you. Anyways, way too long of an answer. Let's uh, let's get to Koozie. What's going on, Koozie? Yeah, hi, Ryan. Koozie from Wausau. What's up? A couple more random things. I dig it. On the Packer game, I really think they have a chance, but they're going to have to outscore them because I just don't have any faith that our defense is going to hold down Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle because they got they got two guys, which means it's one guy we can put Jair on him a lot of the time and maybe hold him down, but two guys I just don't have faith that Rasul is gonna gonna be able to do it. So yeah. they're gonna have to score thirty plus, I think, to win this game. Yeah. Um, second thing, um, I know you're a media. Well, let me uh, let me pause it there. I so I, I did my first initial quote unquote deep dive into the Dolphins um, tomorrow. And it's going to come off that I don't think the the Dolphins are very good, and that's not entirely the case. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, probably the best wide receiver duo in the NFL going right now. Um, I'm not sure if it's close, but I can't really think off the top of my head at anyone better. Um, something, at least just in that regard with those two guys, one of the things that stands out, Tyreek Hill's already cracked 1,500 yards. Jalen Waddle's over 1,100 yards. However, as an offense... They, uh, let me just double check what the stats are here. Well, at least the last four weeks hasn't been all that impressive. Well, last two for sure. So I, I, I guess the broader point is it's at least worth noting that after those two guys, there's nobody. Nobody. And so they have the two scariest wide receivers, but as a passing offense, and they do have a very good passing offense. They're third in yards overall for the season. Again, that's kind of gone down a little bit um, more recently. 
you know, 461 passing yards in week two, uh, nearly 400 again against the Vikings in week six, nearly 400 again against Detroit in week eight. You know, that's a lot. <laughs> but the point is, there's a difference between Tyreek Hill's individual stats and the team stats. Similarly, uh, rushing. If you look at, uh, what's his name? Their, their, their uh, top running back, I forget, uh, Raheem Mostert. He is dominating right now with like five point some odd yards per carry. He's doing great. The offense as a whole, however, they're 20th in rushing yards per attempt. So they have, and, and, and it's, this isn't all they have, but there is a difference between them having individual stat guys that dominate and what it is they're able to put on the field as a whole, right? Their offense in terms of, so there's the individual stats. Then there's the broader stats in terms of, let's say, receiving or rushing yards. Then there's the larger, larger, larger picture of overall offensive yards. And then there's how many of those yards actually turn into points. And, and for the season, they're ninth. If you look even closer, they've actually gone down significantly further than that. Um, they're middle of the pack, and they're actually below the Green Bay Packers. Now, it depends where you draw that line, obviously. But, um, you know, although I generally agree, you're probably right. You, you, you want to shoot for 30 points or so if you want to if you want to win the game I would I would guess I mean the Chargers did hold them to to 17 last time they scored 30 was against the Texans and that's been since their buy and they they've they've to be honest they've come out relatively flat against uh, teams since their buy I think the Buffalo game they lost but lost by 3 I think was relatively impressive but still 29 points in that game also so they've got some and, and I think from my perspective the biggest fear is they have the ability like maybe nobody else, to run up the score, run up the stats, run up the yards. And we know based on our defense, it's very possible that they're breaking records against us. You know, whether it's receiving yards, receptions, touchdowns, rushing yards, total offense, scrimmage yards, something stupid, right? It's just, there's going to be a defensive collapse. That's the fear. When you see guys like this, you know, it's same when we see a mobile quarterback. Oh, geez, he's, he's just going to tear us up. Or Tyreek Hill is going to break a record. Or the same thing we, we say about Justin Jefferson and the rest of these guys. That is a legitimate concern. But if we just kind of separate the fear of, shoot, Tyreek is scary, Jalen is scary, Mostert is scary, Tua, on occasion, a few times this year, has looked scary, and just look at what the team is overall as a whole, but also especially recently, they're really not much different than, for example, the Vikings. In fact, in terms of explosion and all that stuff, I think the Vikings and even the Lions, to be completely honest, have been better than Miami. Points, explosive plays, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, am I worried? Yes, but I do think I'm just trying to rein in because I can feel the the tension in everybody's chest and the general, and it's not even just Packer fans. The stuff that I'm hearing national media-wise is they don't stand a chance against Miami. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Don't say that. Guy, you probably already have somebody to know this, but... For those people that don't, if you don't have your own butcher, if you don't have a butcher shop, you you just you got to get one. Buying meat at the supermarket is it's just not the same. You know the hum of a bandsaw when it's when it's cutting a steak <laughs> or a pork chop off a loin. It's just oh, it's music. And uh, if you happen to find one that has their own smokehouse in the back, even better. Um, get slabs of bacon and sausage and metwurst and. Oh, just wonderful. Um, and as far as the show, love the rants. My favorite episodes are the rants. So, Thank you. Um, 
make sure, even though it's the holiday season, make sure you, uh, squeeze it angry. Yeah. Um, that's, that's my absolute favorite shows. So have a nice holidays. Bye. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, koozie. Um, I'll be honest. We do have a butcher nearby. I don't go there very often. Um, I was very excited to have a butcher. I was all jacked up about it. I honestly think I just kind of got used to the kind of meat that was at the grocery store because I really appreciated it. And I got some thick cut pork chops. Plus it's just intimidating because they're like, what do you want? And it's like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's a, it's not like a supermarket where you just walk in, find something that looks good and grab it and walk out. They're like staring at you and they know everything about meat. And I'm in there with, you know, the way my brain works, I'm like, these guys are going to quiz me on meat, and everybody else in here is a meat savant, and I'm going to say something stupid, and they're going to be like, this idiot probably has never even had meat in his life. Was he a vegetarian? So I don't want to deal with that. So then, you know, and they have some stuff in the display case, and it's like, well, I want like a pork butt, but they don't have one on the display, but it's a butcher, so they probably maybe have something in the back or could like cut it off a pig somewhere real quick, but I don't want to ask, and they're just like, do you see a pork butt here, idiot? And then I'm like, no. I just, I thought, I don't know how this works, so I wasn't, I didn't, I don't know. I'm an idiot. So I haven't gone there very much. I've gone there a couple times. It is nice and, and I don't want to say convenient, but if if, they, if the grocery store doesn't really have what I want, you can just call them and they'll be like, yeah, I'll be here in like 15 minutes. We'll have it ready to go. It's like, all right, that's pretty cool. Did that with a, a couple pork butts the one time I wanted to make them up. And for whatever reason, the grocery store didn't have them. And I'm like, well, this is unacceptable. So I just called them and it's like, do you maybe have that? And it was good too, because I wasn't there. So I didn't have to be, you know, I could just pretend like, oh, maybe they just have it laying out. And they could just tell me over the phone, no, rather than, you know, again, doing the whole, do you see? The, the display case is four inches wide. Are you serious? You can't see in there? But they're like, yeah, how many you need and how long? And okay, give us, you know, half hour. We'll we'll go find a pig somewhere and just cut it off his shoulder. He'll be all right. A couple Band-Aids. But it, it's just uh, not really my go-to. Plus, I, I don't necessarily think it, means higher quality. In fact, it might even mean lower, depending on, like, if you go to Costco, they're known for having really good quality meat. And I think the butcher mostly just butchers local, you know, stuff. Like the the cow from down over at Frank's Farm over there. So I'm not disagreeing because 99% of people that are serious about meat go to a local butcher shop and that's how they do it. I just, I just don't. Hey, Ryan. Um, I was calling. I know. A lot of people say Miami is the toughest game. I, I do think it's the toughest game, not because it's Miami, because the Dolphins, because they've been playing great or anything, but just because it's our only away game left. Right. Um, and not even because of the Florida thing. I don't, the Florida thing, whatever. But I just think away game is going to be tougher, obviously. The other two are at home. Yeah. And, uh, nothing that can't happen. We, we already lost, uh, Detroit and Minnesota. And I don't know. We, we don't get swept often. And I know it's a different year, weird year, but. I really think if we can win the Miami game, we can win the last two. Um, just because it's on the road and everything, and in the LaFleur era, as we know, we haven't been the best on the road. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, football stuff came out. Cool to see Jair in there, but like, honestly, I, I don't know. He has the picks, but I don't know that he deserved it. I guess he went over the PFF grades when I called about him recently, and he's doing better than I actually thought. You know, probably like you said, I'm comparing him to 2020 Jair, which isn't necessarily fair, but I didn't know. I, I know your thoughts on the Pro Bowl, you. You don't like it because of voting at all, and I agree. Um, but regardless of that, like, do you think there's any other players on our team that, like, should have got the recognition? Um, I, I really don't know that there is. I mean, defensively, 
I, I can't think of anybody that really, um, Rashawn Gary might have had, probably had a chance if he would have, uh, wouldn't have got hurt. But on the offense, I mean, I, I can't point to anybody else. I don't think, I mean, Aaron Jones is very good, but I just don't think the production touchdown, stuff like that has been there this year. Uh, that's total numbers for him to get the nod, even though he is, I still think he's top back in the league, but just not the production to get in. I should know what your thoughts were. If there's anybody else that you really think is top tier of the league right now, um, Kind of sad to only have one, you know, not not at all what we expected coming into the year. So, um, again, I know it's player voted and and fan voted and not not the best representation, but still just something to talk about. But, uh, yeah, go Pack Go. Hopefully they don't ruin my Christmas by losing. So I honestly don't even know who got into the Pro Bowl. I haven't looked at it. I don't really care. It's not interesting to me. Um, however, to your question as far as, who is deserving? I think it's an interesting question. Um, everybody that I, off the top of my head I can think of, there's a reason not to. Like David Bakhtiari, based on his play, is absolutely deserving, but he's played like half a year. Elton Jenkins, the way he's playing right now, is quite good, but he was pretty bad to start the season. Um, plus, he missed some time. Um, Myers, no. Runyon, no. Yash, no. Uh, Rogers, no. Christian Watson, if he had done what he had done, I mean, if he had, I don't want to say played all year because he did play a lot. If he had been at this level and playing all year, he no question would have been in. Um, Maybe you could say the same for Dobbs. I'm not entirely sure because, again, it is highly based on production. Obviously, you can't for offensive line. That's a little different, but it's going to be highly based on production for wide receivers and running backs and stuff. And I think you're right about Aaron Jones. It's always been the case with Aaron Jones. He's very good, but his his snaps, his rushing attempts are always very low, so it doesn't always follow. Um, and then on top of that, just, you know, he's kind of had a little bit of a downturn, and A.J. Dillon this past couple of weeks has kind of taken over. And so, you know, as a Packer fan, do I think he's deserving? Yeah, probably. I, I'd have to compare him to everybody else, but I could understand him not getting in. Um, tight ends, no, just flat out no. So I don't really, I can't point to anybody on the offense that I would say is probably like a, what do they have, top five-ish something, I don't know. Defensively, definitely not defensive line. Edge would only be Rashawn, but again, like you said, he's out, he's hurt. Uh, corner, no, I don't think Jair is deserving. is um, definitely not, definitely not our safeties, and I don't think our linebackers are. So no, I, I, I don't necessarily think, and I could be wrong because I'm just assuming there are better people at different at, at these positions um there, there are guys that are that are very good but they're either having a bad year um have faced a lot of injuries or have only been good for part of the year so I, yeah i can't really point to anybody that i would necessarily say is is really deserving Hey, Ryan, it's andy i'm out here on the mail route it's almost noon on thursday all right the temperature says negative six negative six so you're in the middle of kansas you know you're probably experiencing the same thing anyway um yeah i've really enjoyed the excitement about the rookies the last few shows you're totally right on the you know on the offense defense really looking forward to seeing how not only are they developing but they're contributing there's a very big distinction between right. those things and it has been been pretty rare for the Packers to have uh, that happen 
very excited about Chris from Alabama's calls. He's been right on. He's been upfront. He's been honest, both in the positive and negative. Thank you, Chris. Keep calling. Uh, I'm curious about the, I'll just call it a rumor, myth, whatever, about uh, the Packers never playing well in Florida. Now, I believe yeah. most of the time we play in Florida somewhat early in the year. Yeah. Um, I, we did this year. We've had struggles with Jacksonville. We got crushed by the Saints in Jacksonville. Those were all early in the season. Uh, I'm curious if you can distinct, distinguish between those early games and uh, later on in the season. Uh, the only time that Rogers ever played in Miami, I believe, it was 2014. That was the fake spike uh, pass to Adams and then the game winner to Andrew Corliss, I believe. Uh, but I'm just curious uh, how much weight that that, that, that uh, you know, rumor holds as far as the Packers, and quote, never play well in Florida. Uh, can you break down uh, with some of the advanced stats? You know, how does Miami play um, against the deep ball, against um, certain types of running backs similar to Green Bay's running backs? How do they do on uh, third down? What's their offense? Just kind of break down different specific scenarios, especially ones where the Packers have been uh, much improved. Yeah, so um, sure, no problem. So first of all, let's just go team by team here and look at, at uh, Florida because that's – I don't have a way of necessarily – I know there was the game – what was it, New Orleans or something, but whatever. What, we, it doesn't matter. There might be a couple weird outliers, but let's look at Miami in Miami. The last time the Green Bay Packers went to Miami was 2014. The Green Bay Packers won 27-24. to 24. Prior to that was 2006. The Packers won 34-24. to 24. The last time they lost in Miami, the Green Bay Packers, was in 2000. Then you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The last time the Packers played in Florida uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was this year. They won 14-12. Prior to that, they lost 38-10 in 2020. Prior to that, they won um, 20-3 in 2014. So I'm looking at since 2010. So the Packers in Florida against Tampa are 2-1. and one. And they're three or they're one and zero against Miami, which brings them to three and one. Then, if we look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, since 2010 they played in Jacksonville once. They beat the Jaguars 27 to 23. By my count, that puts the Packers at uh, what four and one in Florida, with the only loss coming against Tampa Bay. So I don't know. I mean, if if somehow wait, what is it? They're they're two and one against uh, Tampa, yeah, four and one. Two they beat Tampa twice, Miami and Jacksonville. They're one and zero. Oh. And and here's the thing. You, well, what if you go back to 2018? I I don't know. I I think uh, we lost to Jacksonville. I think that might be it. So that would bring us to like four and two. But but here's the thing. First of all, unbelievably small sample size. Second of all, winning record. Third of all, if you have to go back to losing to Jacksonville in 2008 to prove a point about how the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are going to struggle in Miami, a team that they haven't lost to since 2000, talking about in Miami, I think you're really reaching at straws here. That's what I think. Well, what about that Saints game? What about it? So add one more. So that that brings us to four and three. If you add the Saints game and if you add a, 20, a 2008 Jaguars game. So what's your point? Four and three. 
We were in Florida this year against Tampa and won. What, what? Anyways, I mean, I know I've gone over this stuff before, but it's just the narrative will not die. Well, Rogers struggles in Florida. Does he? Oh, yeah, big time. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm calling it pure nothingness. That's what I'm calling it. In the last 12 years, they're 4-1 and one going up against Florida teams in Florida. I really think you're reaching if you're going to try to find a way to turn that into Aaron Rodgers and the Packers struggle in Florida. That's all I'm saying. And honestly, let, let's be clear. This is entirely because of what happened in Tampa. It was such a scarring experience. That's, that's largely what that was. And people also remember that we lost 31-26 to at, uh, against Tampa after that. That was in Green Bay, though. The last five times we've played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we've lost twice. The last six times we've lost twice. That's going back to 2011. That's three, game, three games in Green Bay, three in Tampa. And again, we won two out of three in Tampa. Won two out of three in Green Bay also. Hey, Pack Daddy's caller number five once again. Hey. <clears throat> Just enjoying a nice omelet with some potatoes on the side. Hey, oh. Uh, what's your favorite breakfast food, by the way? Anyway. Uh, breakfast food. You can't just anyway that. I, I, I can hear the groans. People are like, oh, why did you set him up? Why did you do it? Now he's going to talk about food for a half hour. I don't know, man. When I go to restaurants, my go-to is like pancakes, and then you get the eggs, hash browns, and sausage, and then I take the eggs, hash browns, and sausage and mix it all together. And that is like a little mini skillet on the side with your stack of pancakes or possibly waffles if you're into that kind of thing. But that right there is, that's the go-to breakfast. Is that my favorite breakfast in the world? Yeah, I don't know. It's my go-to. I love um, biscuits and gravy. Killer. And then grandma's Swedish pancakes are um, on another level. Basically crepes with like fruit. And then you roll it up and put uh, powdered sugar and whipped cream over the top. Dude. It used to be like a thing where... Still kind of is, and my son has kind of taken over the mantle. He, he wants to see how many he can eat. He doesn't like all the filling and everything, but he'll just eat the straight-up pancakes by themselves. But it was, it was a thing uh, to see how many I could eat in a sitting. I don't know what my record is, but it's a stupid, it's a stupid number. Um, it is double digits, I can tell you that. If I had to guess, I'd say like 13, 14, something like that probably. So, yeah. Also, one final thought. One of the best breakfasts I've ever had, we used to... Um, Back when my great-grandparents were alive, one of my absolute favorite things is we used to go out to breakfast on Saturday mornings. Um, my grandma would go out with like her siblings and her parents, and she'd wake me up early and ask if I want to go, and usually I would say yes, but I'm super tired at that point because I was a teenager and getting up at like 7 was hard, or whatever time it was, 6 o'clock maybe. But we go out for breakfast, and this one time we went to kind of a fancier place and they had these, like I think it was waffles a la mode or something, I didn't really know what that meant, and I got it, and it was waffles with ice cream and strawberries on top of that and whipped cream. Dude, that was pretty good, man. That was pretty good. It's not like an everyday thing, but you got to try it at least once. Anyways. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm enjoying the podcast and um, just laughing at how hysterically bad Colin Cowherd and all those uh, all those kind of shows are. <laughs> I, I sometimes wonder, like, why did I stop listening to those? And then I, I heard your podcast this morning and... That's why I stopped listening to those. Um, but besides that, uh, I wanted to say if if the Packers do make the playoffs, like I had already resigned myself this season to, I'm just going to enjoy the rookies. 
I'm going to enjoy the games for what they are. And now they're like, is a chance they make it in. Right. And if they make it in, they better win the whole thing. Don't give me hope <laughs> just to dash me again by losing to the 49ers or even worse, losing to the Vikings. Ugh. Um, but yeah, if they make it in, win the whole damn thing. And if we do make it and, uh, and win the whole damn thing, who do you think is going to be most crucial part of making that happen? Is it going to be Aaron playing at an ungodly level? Is it going to be our running backs? Or do you think maybe a Christian Watson is a, uh, is a key to victory for each of these playoff games? Thank you. Bye. Well, if we're talking about a key, like if I, if I could use a, a broader term, um, it would be defense. But if I had to pick a player, it would be really tough to pick anyone other than Rodgers. Um, I know we've had peak Rodgers and lost, but again, just trying to think of a single piece. I mean, Christian Watson could be as good as he wants, but if we don't have uh, you know, Rodgers in, in peak physical condition, I don't think it's going to be enough. And it's too easy to take away a wide receiver, um, especially if you're reliant on that guy for 40-yard passes or whatever. Uh, I can't think of anybody else. I mean, you can't pick one guy in the offensive line I can't, I mean, Aaron Jones would be dope, but I can't just take Aaron Jones. Uh, defensively, yeah, it'd be cool. I would be tempted to take some kind of a pass rusher, whether that's Preston or uh, Kenny. Maybe taking a giant step would be huge. Ken, Kenny actually is, is probably would be an underrated answer because him being in the middle, if he goes to 100, let's just say he goes to being like the best defensive tackle in football, he's the new Aaron Donald. That helps us so much in run defense, but also provides us a pass rush that we desperately need. So that's actually probably a close close number two. Jair also would be a really good answer. He can't cover everybody all the time, but a, a true lockdown corner is unbelievably important. So I would probably say number one, Rodgers. Number two, Kenny Clark. Number three, Jair Alexander would be probably the three that I would pick in that order. Anyways, uh, why don't we go ahead and take a break, and then we'll come back and get to some slightly older calls. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you want to support the podcast. FertileGroundRanch.org uh, if you'd like to go head over there and learn about what they do and possibly support the, uh, the ministry. That would be great. You can find a link to donate pinned to the top of my Twitter if you're wanting to just find a quicker route to get there. Uh, but we'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, I'm going to tell a little short, short story from the Bible. And uh, basically, this wealthy master leaves town, and he gives some money to his uh, servants that he's leaving behind. There's three servants, and the one he really trusts, and he gives him uh, five bags of money, and then the... Other guy, he doesn't trust quite as much. He gives him two bags of money. And then there's one, and he just gives him one bag of money. And he's like, I'm going to be gone for a long time. I need you to take care of this money for me. So he leaves. And uh, the the guy who he gives the five bags and the two bags of money to, um, those guys go and and uh, grow that money for him. The guy who had the, the five bags turns into ten bags. The guy who had... Two bags turns into four bags, and the guy who's given one buries it. And he's like, you know what? No matter what happens, when my master comes back, uh, he's still going to have the one. He's going to have exactly what he gave me and not a penny more. And so the master comes back, and he's absolutely furious with the guy who he only gave the one to, who buried it. And uh, so he I think he has the guy killed, and then he gives the one bag to the guy who now has ten bags and says, well done. We're uh, we're faithful with the little bit that I gave you, so now you get even more. And um, so the parallel I'm making here is you got these players like uh, Dean Lowry and Kenny Clark who are given a certain number of snaps to play, and they're doing jack squat with it. <laughs> and uh, Romeo Dobbs, Devontae Wyatt, they're like given very little and doing a ton with it. Right. And I say, I say we take the snaps from these lazy bums who aren't doing anything and give it to the guys who are growing to the best of their ability and maximizing, you know, this production. So, and then also we can kill the, the lazy players. I'm, I'm fine with that too. To uh, just complete the whole, the whole parable. No, I get it. Yeah, I, I, I think that makes sense. And that's, uh, obviously a pretty solid parallel because that that is what it feels like we're investing so much in guys that are giving us no return they're not and 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 the thing is it's it's actually worse than that because it's one thing you know, for example that that would be a good parallel necessarily for like Randall Cobb Randall Cobb buried it in the ground cuz he's the you're getting the same return that you expected he's the same guy that we thought he would be he's no different we invested in Kenny Clark and the stock market freaking crashed. We lost it all. There's nothing there. Dean Lowry, yeah, D- Dean is a, is a bury it in the ground guy. But but yeah, I mean, why not invest it with somebody who has some upward mobility? You want to grow it, put it in something that can grow. Devontae Wyatt can absolutely produce more if you give him more. Necessarily. Right, I mean, it, like you said, it's we're seeing that he's he's doubling 
our investment, I guess, for sticking with the uh, parable analogy thing, he's doubling it based on the little amount that we're giving him. We're getting great returns, but we gave him a dollar. So you triple my money, you give me $3, whoop de doo I gave $100 to Kenny and I got $14 left. You know, it, it, it doesn't even compare. So yes, we, sh- we should be giving a lot more to the younger guys. And not just because, hey, it's the end of the season, who cares? But because I actually believe that we can get a better return out of it. And, and honestly, what's the worst that could happen? Devontae Wyatt, he gets a bunch of snaps and he squanders it and he plays poorly and he grades out poorly. Okay, so he fits in perfectly with everybody else. He fits in perfectly with Jaron Reed, who's one of the lowest-graded defensive tackles recently, and Kenny Clark, who's one of the lowest-graded defensive tackles. I mean, it's just, who cares? Who cares? At least try. Because what if he could be actually quite good? What if? Same with Dobbs. right? I, I get your easing him back in. I get that whole thing. But starting next week, I don't want to hear any more excuses. He's back. He was almost ready two weeks ago. He was almost ready to play when we played against Chicago. And then we had a bye week, and then we have another week, and then he plays 10 snaps or, or, or runs 10 routes. I think it was like 20 snaps. Right? So no more excuses. Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson should be number one and number two. Randall is your slot guy. And then Lazard is your number three receiver behind the one and two and probably maybe slightly behind your slot guy because it's kind of just a separate position. And yeah, I mean, there, there is a, a, I mean, if we're getting back to the stock market analogy, it's, it's a more high risk strategy because you can absolutely lose it with a guy like Romeo Dobbs. If, if, if he doesn't exactly know what he's doing and we got to do, you know, and, and Lazard does know those things, but you know, Alan Lazard is, he's a government bond. You put your money there and it sits there. I mean, listen, we we hear all the lip service about, you know, I actually think we can really do this. We really believe we can do this. Okay, so why don't we go all in? What is this conservative strategy? Why do you want to preserve what we've been over this period of time? You got to dig deep and find a way to be better. What would be the harm in digging deep and, and, and giving some guys? By the way, we've been rewarded every time we've tried it. Quay Walker has been a reward and a and a benefit, a net benefit to our team, especially recently, significantly better than Devondre Campbell. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Zach Tom. Every time we give one of these guys opportunities, Kingsley and Igbare, they've rewarded us for it. Samore Ture. Whatever little amount or large amount we give them, they return something positive. Maybe there is a limit. Maybe some of these guys won't be that good. But I'm not asking you to take Devontae Adams off the field to give Romeo Dobbs snaps. I'm asking you to, to, to lessen Lazard's snaps a little bit to see if maybe we can get some better returns out of our wide receivers. And maybe I'm wrong. It's entirely possible Lazard is just a flat-out better receiver than Dobbs, at least at this point in his career. Maybe that is true. But if that's the case, then we're a team that just has Lazard. And no offense, the guy's mediocre at best. Did you know he's the lowest-graded run-blocking run wide receiver on our team right now? In fact, let me take that back. He is the lowest-graded run-blocker on our team, period. Do you know that? I've been saying for a while now, Christian Watson already looks like a better blocker than Lazard. Part of that has to do with how good Christian looks. Part of that has to do with how bad Lazard looks. I just looked at it the other day, because somebody asked me about it. He was kind of challenging me on Twitter a little bit about my thoughts on Dobbs and Lazard. And, and, you know, again, maybe he's right. Maybe Lazard is underrated and I'm being unfair to Lazard and that's entirely plausible, but I didn't even know it until I looked it up. Dead last, the worst 
run blocker on our team. And this is what I said about Lazard earlier. What is his usefulness at this point? He's not our best blocker. He's not our best uh, route runner. He's not our, our biggest speed. In fact, he's probably the slowest. He's one of the worst blockers. He doesn't really have the most sure hands anymore. I mean, he, it's, it's not terrible. He hasn't had a drop in, in a little while now, but he's had drops. He doesn't even have uh, a, a good rapport right now with Rodgers. You saw the interception, which I tend to think was Rodgers' fault, but if Rodgers and Lazard want to blame Lazard for that, well, then guess what? There's, there's an issue there as well. Tell me one thing Lazard does that I can't get better from somebody else. What is one thing? Randall Cobb has a better relationship with Rodgers. Watson, Dobb, and Cobbs are all faster than Lazard. Maybe you could say hands, maybe, but it's a pretty close race between Lazard, Dobbs, and Cobb, and even Watson hasn't really dropped one in a while. Who's our deep threat? Christian Watson. Who's our touchdown, or our red zone guy? Christian Watson. Yards after the catch, it goes Christian Watson, then Randall Cobb, then Romeo Dobbs, then Lazard. Yards per route run, who's maximizing their, their opportunities the best? It's Christian Watson. Depth of target is Watson. How about contested catches? Christian Watson. Caught seven out of eight contested catches. Romeo Dobbs and Lazard are tied at 33 and a third percent. Dobbs is four of 12. Lazard is six of 18. And again, this, this is, that's his whole thing. He's a big, strong, physical receiver. Well, he's not better than Dobbs or Watson. He's not a better blocker. He's not a better 50-50 guy. I don't have a vendetta against Alan Lazard. I'm just asking a simple question. Give me one area in which Lazard is a better option than the other guys we have. And assuming that there is one, and there probably is, is that one thing more important than all the other things that the other guys have? Even even listening to Rodgers talk about the guys, you know, it's you know, uh, Watson is is a is a absolute game breaker. The the speed and the the explosiveness that he has, and Romeo Dobbs is is a great route runner. And I forget what he says about Randall, and then he and then he gets to Lazard, and he says, and, and Lazard can you know he can do it all. Yeah, he kind of can, kind of can't, but to what degree? To what degree? What is one thing he does that's irreplaceable? I can't give you Christian Watson's speed. I can't give you the, the smoothness of Romeo Dobbs. You can't just go out and find that. I can go out and find any attribute Alan Lazard has out there on the street. Yeah, it's going to take a while to build the rapport with Aaron Rodgers and everything else, but you know that's just the hard truth from my perspective. You know, At one point, Lazard was a reliable guy that understood the offense, had great hands, a good relationship with Rodgers, and was an elite blocking wide receiver, which mattered in this offense. None of those, none of those high-end attributes are real this year. What am I supposed to do with that? So give me the case for Lazard getting the most opportunities out of the, out of the four wide receivers we have. I'm not, I'm not telling you to bench him, but I'm, what I am saying is rather than Lazard getting, let's say, 32 routes, Watson getting 30, and Dobbs getting 20, why don't we do Dobbs getting 33, Watson getting the 31, and, 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 and Lazard getting the 20? And you can use him, and, and the benefit of that is you can use him more situationally. Rather than treating him as the number one wide receiver who has to do everything, get back to when we had Devontae Adams and say, you can't do everything. But you know what? Now that we have Romeo and Watson kind of handling the day-to-day, you can come in as a specialized wide receiver in special situations. You know, third and four, we need that big pickup. We need that reliable guy to just muscle his way to a first down. Put him out there. He can run a quick, quick slant and just muscle his way past somebody, kind of treat his, you know, uh, the, the act like a, a tight end and box the guy out, catch the pass away from your body. I mean, you know, whatever. We can get back to using you for stuff that you're good at. 
Okay, so I mean, people might might get mad at me about the whole let's kill Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry and Al Lazard and Sammy Watkins thing. Whatever. Well, if they're mad at you, they completely forgot about what you said and got mad at me, which is why I keep borderline apologizing because I'm sure people don't like what I'm saying. Some people, I, I don't even like saying it, but again, I don't know what else to say. I had a thought. Okay. So we're, we're having this conversation about like leadership on the team and, you know, can we get a Charles Woodson like player in free agency to come in and, you know, lead the team and, and change the culture. And it dawned on me that I think Gutekunst is trying to accomplish that in a little bit different way. If you look at the guys he's been drafting recently, uh, particularly in the early rounds, but he's, he is really making a pointed effort to draft guys from these really dominant, well coached teams, well disciplined teams. Right. All right. I've been really studying the Georgia Bulldogs a lot because they're in the playoffs. And one thing that stands out to me a ton is just how freaking disciplined they are. And like they don't they they just they are such a well coached team. Um I think that like Goody is trying to build up the leadership level in the locker room through the draft. I think the next step, once you kind of have that, is start cutting bait on some of these older guys who are locker room cancers. Yeah. All right? Let Rashawn Gary and Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker and Eric Stokes, you know, let, let those type of guys, if Christian Watson be the backbone of this team, you know, and plus whatever you get from Jordan Love, who, I mean, we heard a lot before he was drafted about his leadership ability. So, uh, you know what, and then move on from some of these guys who give up halfway halfway through a game. And I'm kind of, you know, singling Kenny out here. Yeah. So, just a thought. No, I, I agree, and I, I kind of mentioned a little bit in terms of the Packers seem to want to get people that come from winning cultures, and that would be the only amendment I would make is rather than calling it leadership, I'd call it culture. These guys come from great cultures in places like Georgia, and, and it's winning culture, and you understand what it takes to, to win. You understand what a locker room is like. I don't know that these guys are going to come out and be leaders, but yeah, you get some of the older guys, and I think it's normal. Again, back in 2018, it was the same thing, and, and you heard HaHa Clinton Dix and some other people talking about you know, some of these guys just don't care, especially some of the older guys, the veterans. They, 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 they you know, they they've been here too long. They're 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 not going to buy into the rah rah speeches anymore. Young guys, they will. They absolutely will. They they just they were all rah rah in college. The whole thing was rah rah. And you come in here and you got some old guys that are like, ah, you young guys don't understand. It's you know, it's like Randall described it. This is a job. This is a business. This is you know this this. Yeah, I don't think that's a good attitude to have. And I understand, I get what he's saying, but I don't think that's the right attitude to have. And yeah, I think if you move on from some of these guys that have been around for a while, and I, I, I hate to include Kenny in that list because, first of all, I feel like he's still relatively young. Um, but I also would hate to think that he is already 
sort of co-opted because, you know, if we cut off the age at, what is he, 27, 28-ish? We're, we're, we don't have many guys left, but no, we, we do need some, I think, younger blood. And we do need some just some true believers that um, are willing to just get whipped up and be stupid about it and just be obsessed with it. And, and to just, we, we just need a better culture. And I think we do have a lot of veterans that kind of drag that down a little bit. And it's, it's a little bit more business-like. It's a little bit more, you know, I mean, and the Packers talk about it all the time. Just do your job. It, the, the culture has been kind of for a long time, shut up and do your job. This is the standard. and You're either going to meet it or you're stupid. I, yeah, fair enough. But that's not exactly what's going to drive a, a winning culture in a locker room. Guys getting fired up, playing fast and loose and physical. Because it's it's not the same as being necessarily technical. You want both, but we emphasize technicality, precision, slow down. You know, it's it's it's, it's very academic. It's very business like. It's very professional. That's just the vibe you get. And I think the older guys, that's that's just sort of the way they see it. You know, th- this this is what you got to do. You want to be good at this. Is here here's the thing you got to do. And I think you lose some of that rah-rah. So, and yeah, I, I, I generally agree that uh, we, we need to start to shed some of that and bring in some of that younger blood that, that, that comes from that culture. And that's one of the benefits of being a younger team. I mean, one of the benefits of being an older team is, is the experience and the understanding what is required and those kinds of things. But I think one of the things that's missing is just having that young energy. It's almost, it's almost like you want a sort of ignorance before you become jaded to the whole thing. You know, you, you get older and you start to hear about, you know, the, it's a business. And, you know, the, these teams will chew you up and they'll spit you out. And you, you watch your friends get cast away and uh, the way the fans treat you and the way that the, the teams treat you and, and how, you know, you, you get jaded. As opposed to being a young guy coming in and, and the fans love you and the team loves you and you're a star and everything's great. There needs to be some of that childlike innocence and ignorance to go along with it. And yeah, like you said, Gutekunst bringing in guys that come from that winning culture, established. So, so there is a, a baseline understanding of what it takes to win, but also just being winners, being champion, and coming in with no preconceived notion of we suck. No, I don't suck. I come from freaking Georgia, bro. Fastest, meanest. And, and, and that's my fear with things going south, is you got a guy like Eric Stokes and, and Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker that come from Georgia, and then they come to Green Bay, and the defense isn't good, and they're not used to that, and they're not good, and they're not used to that. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah, I get used to it. This is Green Bay. The defense just sucks here. We suck. This is what we do. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, I, I, don't, I don't want that. So I agree. That needs to be an emphasis. And, and I think the reason we haven't really done everything required is because at the same time we're trying to build that out from that end, we're not shedding the guys on the top end. Why? Because we're still doing this whole all-in thing. We can't get rid of the veterans. We're bringing in the, the older guys, and we're, we're keeping everybody because we're going all in, all in, all in, all in. Once we finally give that up, then we can kind of move a little bit quicker in the direction of reshaping the culture. Hello. Good morning, Ryan. Hey. Mike Kebering, a.k.a. Packers Superfan. What's going on? Ryan, just wanted to let you know... All right. <laughs> I was I was wondering how he was going to cram a question into 12 seconds. I thought it was just going to be a quick comment. What happened, Mike? You doing all right? He didn't call back. That was uh that was like 24 hours ago. Hope you're doing good there, uh Mike. I'll have to check in with you on Twitter. All right, we got to go back quite a ways. We're going to go back to Monday and we'll do uh one more call here and then I think we're going to get out of here. Hey, Ryan. Joe the Janner. What up, Joe? Anyway, 
Um, so I did get a chance to watch, you know, some of the game. It's halftime now, and we're actually winning. Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty, uh, happy about that. I gotta say, um, the defense does not look terrible. Yeah. Which is very surprising. Pretty good. I think, uh, Joe Barry may be trying to keep his job, but, um, AJ Dillon's a beast. And, um, yeah, that's all I gotta say for now. <laughs> anyway. Shalom. Shalom. That actually would be a fantastic question. I, I, I think most of us would say that this is not just the best game we saw from guys like Quay and a few others, maybe Amos, at least for a while. The question I would have is why? I would love to, to and I don't know if they give you an honest answer, but I, I, I feel like something changed. And I would love to get an honest answer. Quay, you have played with more ferocity, speed, aggression, violence this entire game. Why? Did Joe cut you loose? Was there? Did you guys get together before the game and, and have some kind of a thing? Because it's not just one guy. It was the defense as a whole. Kenny showed up for the first time in, I don't know, eight weeks. He kind of got quiet toward the end of the game, but still. Again, Quay had his best game. Amos, haven't seen him since the beginning of the season. All of a sudden, he showed up. Razul, not that he deserved a lot of credit for that pick, but hey, he got a pick. That was his whole thing. Suddenly, he got a pick. Kingsley playing like a man freaking possessed. Wyatt with his, like, four and a half snaps making plays, back-to-back plays. If you saw that live stream, I was losing it a little bit. Why? You can't tell me it's just a coincidence. Every once in a while, you have a good day. I get that, but not everybody on the exact same day. What happened? And I'm curious for a lot of reasons, but the biggest one being the future. Whether that be the future, meaning this week, are we going to see something similar? Is there a schematic change? Is there an attitude change? Is this something Joe Barry is saying? And as far as, you know what, forget everything I've been telling you about being conservative and slow down. Forget it, just play fast and violent and physical. Was it something you guys said? I, I, I just want to know. Similar to the, the whole JJ thing as far as you know, leadership or culture, nothing in this world, probably not, but nothing in this world would make me happier than to find out there was a massive culture shift among the defensive players for the Green Bay Packers. I mean, you want to talk about an underrated storyline. I mean, if the Packers' defense suddenly figured it out, and let's, again wasn't the best defensive performance we've ever seen, but we saw several guys step up in ways that we haven't seen. And um, they allowed the least amount of yards the Rams have had all year and one of the lowest scoring games they've had all year. Despite the fact everyone wants to say, ah, well, it's the Rams, it doesn't count. Despite that, still, they did a good job. Even factoring that in, they did a good job. Is this something that could potentially continue? Because if it can, and suddenly we have Rodgers feeling better, and Romeo and Dobbs playing for the first time basically ever, because I'm not even going to count week one, that doesn't count, but like peak Dobbs and Watson for the first time ever, and A.J. Dillon is emerging, and our offensive line is suddenly playing. I mean, they've been, since the second half of the year, they've been doing a, a pretty good job, but these are factors we have not had. But even with that, everyone's like, yeah, but our defense still sucks. But what if it doesn't? And I'm not, I'm not talking top three. I'm just saying, what if suddenly they're like, you know what, let's play with a little bit of fire, a little bit of aggression to at least not be terrible. Can you be like the, the, the ninth best? By the way, is another thing that I talked about, I think, tomorrow, which shocked me. Over the last, I think, five weeks, the Packers are a top 10 defense in points, I think. So I don't know where that came from, but that's a thing. All I'm saying, man, all I'm saying is I don't even know what this team is right now. I have no idea. I don't know what Aaron Rodgers is up to these days. 
I couldn't tell you what Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs is going to be like. Um, offensive line is relatively stable, but I don't know. Aaron Jones, no idea what we're going to get from him. Dylan, no idea. Defense, no idea. Special teams, I don't even, I don't even understand what that is. I couldn't, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. I can't compute what is happening with special teams. So if they go out and play Miami and lose 40 to three, I'm probably just going to say, yeah, yeah, I get it. If they go out and beat them 35 to 13, freaking game on. So we shall see how she goes, but um, it's a weird year, man. Never know. I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>